Welcome to the Startup Climb Podcast. I'm your host, Yihuin. Startup Climb is a weekly podcast show where we bring you conversations with startup founders. Through the podcast, you will gain a behind-the-scenes look at their journey, their struggles, and what it takes to run a startup. On this episode, we have Joshua Shin, CEO and co-founder of Kronos Agency. Kronos Agency is a data-driven email marketing agency that aims to provide email marketing service and consultancy for online retailers. Welcome, Joshua. Hi, Joshua. Hi, Ethan. Hello. Hi. So, um, could you give a little introduction about your company and your team and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Kronos Agency. We are an e-commerce agency uh, focused on working with uh, fast-growing, high-growth direct-to-consumer brands all around the world. Uh, we focus on email marketing, SMS marketing, and chatbot marketing. Um, the average ROI for our clients on our services is 35x, meaning they make $35 back for every dollar that they pay us. Uh, it's something that we're really proud of. And that makes us a very, very valuable partner to have. And that's how we treat our clients as well. Uh, it's a very, it's not a typical agency client relationship that we have. It's a very uh, partnership oriented type of uh, uh, relationship that is, that, that drives the, the, the conversation and the growth of the, both parties, basically. Right. So that's basically the business. But why do you get into email marketing when like the trend would be more towards like Facebook marketing or like Google AdSense or like even like social media platforms? Why do you choose to go into uh, probably a portion of the market that most would uh, deem it as like outdated? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it goes back to the point of, of ROI or return on investment. Uh, with right. a fast-growing e-commerce brand or e-commerce business, um, it's very easy to get started and get up to kind of a to a certain scale with paid advertisements or paid acquisition with Facebook ads, paid search, and all that stuff. It will come to a point of kind of saturation of both internal resources. I just don't have enough resources to scale anymore. Or it comes to a point, a sticking point of I can't scale my uh, paid acquisition as quickly anymore. Uh, for various reasons, it's either a, a cash flow thing where the typical ROAS or return on ad spend um, for most e-commerce brands. Again, don't quote me on this; I might be wrong. Actually, uh, based on what I know, is two to seven, two to three x, meaning they they get about two to three dollars back for every dollar that they spend on uh, paid advertisements, which means that there is a very thin margin to play on with emails. It adds on a layer of margins of profits that otherwise wouldn't be there. And it's, it's very typical to see an additional 20 30% of margins just solely because we added an, a sophisticated and optimized email automation and campaigning system for an e-commerce brand. So that, that alone can easily flip a business from kind of breaking even or even losing money to profitability, therefore giving uh, you know the, the business ability to scale really, really quickly. Right. Uh, that's a really long way of saying email is really effective and it's not, it's not dying, it's not dead at all. <laughs> but I think you made it very clear um, 
why you want to go into email. But how do you even get the idea to start this in the first place? Okay, that's a that's a good question. So it's a to to really explain that I have to kind of go back to when we first started. So that was in October of 2017. And and just a fun fact, Kronos was actually launched in a in a dorm room in NUS. So, right. uh, so it's October of 2017. Uh, and I, I was near my breaking point. The, my business was brand new at the point in time. And I've landed my sixth client in, in two short months. Uh, but the problem is I was also a full-time university student with a full-time internship. Uh, and I was waking up at 5 a.m., right. working till 11 p.m., just trying to keep up with everything. And I was just, work, honestly, I was working really hard to give my, my mom, my dad, and my younger sister, myself, a better life. Uh, as, as a kid, I, I right. grew up in Johor Bahru, Malaysia, just across the causeway. When I was 10, my parents declared bankruptcy and they divorced. Uh, before the divorce, my, my life was simple, peaceful, and in my mind, perfect. And after school, right. my, my sister and I would you know, play by the toy store surrounding my parents' fruit shop in the mall. Uh, the, the bankruptcy and breakup left my family fractured. It also forced a, an excruciating choice on me. Did I want to live with my mom or my dad? And I was living with my dad at the point in time. So I chose to stay with him because I hated change. Making a choice like that broke my heart and probably my mom's too. It gave me a really deep sense of the fragility of relationships and the, the, the sanctuary that they give. I, I decided that I would do whatever it takes to provide financial security for my, for my family. And I would keep my life in meaningful relationships because that's what truly mattered. Next, I, I went to university in Singapore. Uh, actually, I was in Singapore since I was 12 years old, but went to university, did a lot of side hustles. I, I waited tables, I tutored people. I did uh, tuition, I drop ship random products on eBay. And I really liked the idea of, of selling stuff on eBay because it was immediate and I saw like quick feedback on what I was doing and whether I was doing it right. But I did like the fact that it was strictly transactional. There was uh, on eBay, there's zero opportunity for, for you to develop any kind of relationship, any kind of meaningful relationship with your customers or clients. So, right. De determined to find a line of work that I, I actually love. Uh, I took every penny of the little savings that I had and I reinvested that in online courses, books about online businesses and, and ideas. And that's when I found a course on e-commerce, email marketing. Came across it. I loved it immediately. Uh, like eBay, it had the, the immediacy of selling something. But I could also build relationships on a one-on-one -on -one basis with my, my clients. And that, that meant a lot to me. So working from my dorm room, I, I dove into learning everything I could about it. And within a month, I convinced a few strangers I met online to let me work on their email marketing for free. Uh, soon after, I gained right. two paying clients. Um, and then a, a, a miracle happened. I, I did a really good job for uh, one of the more prominent clients that, that we had in the e-commerce scene. And soon I was sitting across a large desk from them, my palms are sweaty and I have a lump in my throat. 
you know, just choking on imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be there. But they became my, my first big client eventually. So I poured myself into uh, work for uh, this first big e-commerce client and I won their confidence. And through that process, I learned a lot about email marketing and I really truly enjoyed all aspects of, of writing good email and what it means for a brand. And our relationship grew. They gave me additional work and they referred me to other prominent players in their network in the e-commerce space. So that's how I got six right. really substantial clients while being a full-time student with a full-time internship. And that's also how I ended up stretched to my limits. So something had to give. I needed more sleep. I, I knew I needed a, a partner, a business partner. Uh, that, that was when I met uh, Lewis, my co-founder and COO. Uh, but I, I didn't want anyone to, you know, anyone suited for the position, not just anyone, but I, I wanted to be surrounded by my friends. I wanted to be surrounded by meaningful relationships. Right. right? So I called, I called uh, Louis. He was a childhood friend from back when we were in Malaysia. And uh, he's an, he's an NPU at that point in time. And I called him up. I told him about the, the business. I recruited him to be my, my co-founder and CEO. <laughs> together we hired a first employee in the same month and then we kept applying all our profits to growing the team by the time we graduated in uh, last year mid of last year we were a company of 30 people with an additional office in KL Kuala Lumpur uh, right. still a remote team so today I'm really grateful to have a business I love and uh, ultimately it's really meaningful to me because it's it's worthwhile that I was able to create a company where great relationships and great profits go hand in hand. And yeah, so that's basically a long, long-winded way of kind of sharing what what we went through. I think I think that's really interesting actually. And actually I have a few um areas that I really want to explore with what you just told me. So firstly, I would like to get your thoughts on um why do you choose Lewis as a co-founder I know he was like a childhood friend but um was there ever a time where you are worried that hey business and my personal friendship with him might be affected if let's say we disagree on certain decisions yeah absolutely so uh him and I we have a really interesting relationship when we uh we we met when we were seven years old we grew up uh, together, basically, in, in, in primary school in Malaysia. Um, and I knew who he was as a, as a, as a person intuitively. You know, as a kid, you kind of have like judgments about someone. Oh, this is, he's like right. that, he's like that, or she's like that. So I, I, I had that in the back of my mind. And... Then we both went to, we both came to Singapore when, when we were 12, 13 years old, uh, alone. And we both went to our respective boarding schools slash dorms. And then we kind of drifted apart for many years. And we uh, occasionally uh, came back and met up in like uh, annual gatherings and stuff like that. And right. over... Over time, I kept, uh, so we kind of kept in touch and I, I, I knew of what he was doing, what he was up to along the way. And I knew of his character as well. 
And right. when it came to, when it came time to kind of think about all right, who in my immediate network that I, you know, that I firstly I could trust. Secondly, I knew could complement what I was weak in. Uh, his yeah, he came he came to mind. So what exactly that was was uh, number one. I I knew I had very very low endurance, very low endurance on on not just a physical aspect but a mental aspect as well. Physically, I'm not a I'm not an endurance athlete. I like short bursts of of, of speed, and um, I typically perform very poorly in, in endurance sports. Um, Lewis, on the other hand, he is. He's a triathlete. He is the type of person that would run a marathon, would train for Ironman and stuff like that. And I knew that the the physical and the the, the, the physiological and the mental is some to to some degree relate related. I, I do believe that, and uh, so I, I knew that that's a that's a good hunch that he would be a good fit for what I was lacking. And at the same time, I knew that he was much more logical and practical in his ideas. I am much more, um, much more, how would I put it in a nice way? Ambitious. Ambitious, yeah. Yeah, so ambitious and a little bit reckless. A little bit more, more reckless, uh, much more trusting and hopeful. So that's who I am, and we 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 formed a great team. So that that was my hypothesis at, at the front, and then it kind of evolved over time, and I realized that yeah, it's validated over time, and it's not it's not like oh instantly that this is the person I knew I'm going to work with for the rest of uh, my, my journey. It was kind of developed over time. We realized that yeah, actually, you're shit at this. I'm shit at this. You're good at this. I'm good, I'm good at this, and it's a uh, you know constant communication and being open about what you suck at and what, what you don't suck at, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. Uh, there was also bouts of uh, time where he was kind of not 100% sure that this is what he wanted to do. And not 100% sure, not, not, not because of me, but just because of the business, right? And those are the difficult conversations that we had to have and as a result of those difficult conversations we came out stronger and a much much more much stronger team between the two of us today yeah. right actually like another thing that I really want to go into was the idea of imposter syndrome which you talked about oh, earlier yeah. so like All the time. How, how do you deal with it I don't I just accept it I was just listening to a podcast on on uh, on uh, uh, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss, and right. he yeah, I was working out just now, and I was listening to his episode, his latest episode with uh, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine, yeah, yeah, Golden Globe uh, Academy nominee, Golden Globe winner, and all that stuff. He is, um, yep. I would say, he was he's one of the most successful A listers in, in the planet right now. For sure, for sure, yep. And one of the, like in the middle of the episode, he he, he spoke candidly. He said, you know, honestly, Tim, I, coming into this this podcast uh, interview, I felt 
nervous. I, I felt a sense of, um, obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I felt a sense of like, I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. I, I don't belong here. Who am I? Who, who would want to listen to a one and a one and a half hour conversation with, with me? And that was right. the point when I realized that, you know, if someone at his caliber and at his level of success and everything that we perceive to be success can feel that way, maybe it never goes away. Maybe that's the truth. And you kind of just have to accept it and that it's, yeah, it's going to be there. You're going to have to face it pretty much every single day. You, you, sometimes you, you're not going to know what the, what the hell you're doing. And sometimes you feel like you're just not belonging at, at all, but we have to just take it as part of the journey, know how to kind of let it slide instead of let it allow right. it to control you. But has it like inhibit you in like trying to reach out to clients or like when you're meeting clients, does it like make you less confident and like, did it ever affect your pitch? Oh, never. No, never at all. Not at all. And I, I think the, the biggest reason for, for that is because of my experience as a, as an, as a business development intern at, uh, in my, during my time in NOC actually, um, which is uh, NUS overseas colleges. And right. uh, I, I learned that you are the, the downsides of failing of being rejected in a scenario, like pitching to a client or pitching to a partner or whatever it is. It, it is, so minuscule that the literally the worst thing that, that you think could happen, it's not it's not even worth worrying about. And kind of having that in the back of my mind, and, and not just thinking about that, but actually putting myself in the position of um, at that point in time as an intern, I had to connect with C-suite um, professionals uh, in order right. to build in order to build a professional association from, from scratch, a professional like in this industry association from scratch. That was my task. And that was insane. Cause that, that's where all the imposter syndrome comes, comes in, right? You're just, I, mean, I was just a student, a bloody intern. Now I'm trying to speak to the chief something officer of, of uh, right. this company. Uh, and, but I realized that it doesn't matter because out of like 10, maybe eight out of nine people are going to say no at worst case. Worst case, one of them is going to uh, shout at you when you call them and say, don't call me again and uh, I'm going to sue you or something like that. You just don't call them again. And, right. but the two times out of the 10 times, that's when you're going to have, uh, when you have that success of, you know, actually having that conversation, being able to have a good conversation, a meaningful, uh, you know, meaningful conversation that maybe develops into a meaningful relationship down the line. That's all that matters. And all the eight other failures just don't, it's so minuscule. If you think about it from a cost benefit analysis standpoint. Uh, so I, I've always had that in the back of my mind. And that's kind of um, led to, maybe a little bit of a thick skin, if you will. <laughs> right. But like, do you feel like this thick skin was developed 
purely through your internship and the numerous rejections that you faced? Or was it something that you sort of had all along and it just sort of reinforced it when you go through the rejections? No, great question. No, actually it's it's developed over time, that's for sure. As a as a, as a young child, I've I I have a, my my extended family in Malaysia. Right. Um, ten aunts, including my mom, right? Ten sisters. Uh, they are relatively close, post posted family, and they are very. Imagine ten mums, right? That's 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 enough to shut you up for a uh, for a good amount of time. That's how I felt for uh, for a long time. You know, just shut up, act dumb. You live longer. That's the feeling I I I kind of just grew up in. Obviously, that's just a side effect of all the love and care that they had. Right. Uh, but it it took me a long time to kind of shake that off. You know, plus the divorce and the what whatever was happening at home. That was hard. So. Um, survival meant to survival to me meant shutting up, just accepting whatever was given to me and move on. So I had to actively move past that. Uh, some of the things I've done in NUS, and I, I honestly, I, I actually love this to both NOC and my time in, in Yusuf Hall in NUS, right? Which is a, a dorm, right? And I, I took up opportunities that were that were extremely outside of my comfort zone uh throughout my time in in secondary school and, and junior college i was i was an athlete i identified myself as an athlete i competed i uh, i was playing sports um and i enjoyed that and moving into university i realized that i you know i might be a little bit too more dimensional i want to move past that that fear of being able to express myself. Right. And that's when I took up uh, dance, acting. I, I was in a, I was part of a drama production in Yusuf Hall. I was a, I was right. a lead actor for one of the, one of the year's uh, plays. When I, I believe it, when I was in year two, if I believe, right. if I remember correctly. And <laughs> that plus, what else? Oh yeah, I was a part of a band as well, and I was the, the lead singer for the band. Never sang in my life. All these things combined, I was extremely, extremely uncomfortable, and it put me in this, it literally in the spotlight of discomfort. I did that intentionally because I, I knew that um, I had some level of interest in it. I knew that this was a, was a great opportunity to be in a safe really really safe space to try all these things out fundamentally to push myself beyond that boundary of conflict I mean, if i'm able to be out there and you know accept shame and accept the the, the feeling of inferiority i I, right. I would be able to do anything so i i do believe that that, that was a big part of my personal uh, development in, in, in my time in the US. Let's talk about that then, like getting out of your comfort zone. Like, were you not once like afraid of, hey, what if I go out and act and then I just butcher it and like, you know, I humiliate myself. Was that not a thought in your head or you thought about it, but you sort of overcome it? 
It was, uh, to, to be frank, it was never a thought in my, in my mind. Um, pri- primarily because I, I had the ability to psych myself up for situations like that, especially those that are really tense or really high pressure and find levity in the situation. Just fun. Find the fun in it and find the enjoyment of it all. Uh, obviously, I was put in, in those situations by, like, with, in, through my own, my own decision, right? Uh, through my own discretion, I, I, didn't, I wasn't forced yep. to be there. So having that in the back of my mind, knowing that, you know, I worked so hard to, to come to this point. It's not, obviously, it's not an overnight thing where you, you get put on stage. It was a process of preparation, a process of practice. And, and all that stuff. So I, I kind of knew that going onto stage wasn't a matter of, um, wasn't a matter of risk. It was a matter of kind of just executing what I've already known. And everything else is kind of just noise. Right. Um, I'd like to move a little bit into reflection then. Um, what do you feel is your biggest success um, at Kronos thus far? And why do you feel like it's a success? The biggest success, I think that um, the biggest success is in growing a team to, to, to this point in, in time, fully right. remote, except for an office and KL, Kuala Lumpur, we are largely, largely remote. Um, 65 of us right now with an average growth rate of, um, it, it ranges from, I believe it's 15 to 30% month on month. So that's pretty, right. uh, it's, uh, by, by all means, that's, 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 I'm, I'm happy with that. But what I'm really the most happy about is, I, I think the biggest success is being able to culture uh, to cultivate uh, an environment where people truly enjoy work and people truly enjoy their time in in in, in the company. Uh, obviously, it's not not a hundred percent of the folks in the company enjoy the time one hundred percent all the time. Uh, but it's right. You know, conversations that I've, I've had one on one with. with people that I don't work directly with uh, made me realize that I'm, that we are actually building meaningful relationships, true meaningful work right. for a lot of people that, you know, hopefully changes the course of your lives. And we have, uh, you know, we, we are on the right track in, in doing that. So some, something tangible to kind of look at would be our ENPS score which is our employee net promoter score. It's kind of like an internal rating system for how happy your employees are and how engaged they are with the, the, the company. And we scored, uh, we went from scoring, I believe it was like 40 something in the first quarter out of 100. Um, sorry, it's, it's a scale of between negative, I believe it's negative 100 to a positive hundred we from scoring right. 40 plus to today being 79 i believe so yeah right. pretty happy in in that, in that sense that uh meaningful relationships are being built so would you then say that 
the entire goal of you being an entrepreneur, like beyond just like finance aside, um, which you mentioned earlier, like um, mm-hmm. is to really create jobs for people and to create this relationship between yourself and your employees. That I I, I kind of I. I don't really have a, a direct answer to that, but I, I think that's part of it. That's a big part of it. I think making money is, uh, is it, it, there's so many ways you can make money. You can probably make money. We, we could probably make more money being a civil servant if we work really, really hard. And if we apply the same amount of work ethic that we have today in, in being a civil servant, I, I, I do think so. So that's a different path, but I, I chose this path and I continue right. on, the, on the path because I, I realized that we're building something that people are, you know, they're, they're just not here for work, but they are here because they choose to be here. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. But like, okay, so um, I do have another question with regards to this entire entrepreneurship journey. And that is like, what do you feel is the most important characteristic that an entrepreneur need to have? Or like, what's the most important thing that they should either learn or like have innately? Either learn or have innately. Um, well, take this with a pinch of salt because again, my, my own experience and my, my journey is probably very different from a lot of other entrepreneurs. Um, I, I believe that relationship building, um, empathy, are probably the two biggest skill sets that 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 an entrepreneur would need, and uh, that's right. probably the uh, the most game changing set of skills that anyone can build. Right. I think this final question is something that um, I've asked all the founders on my podcast thus far and I everyone has like a very unique take to it so I'd love to hear your your opinions on mm-hmm. it so what is one advice that you'll give your past self or an aspiring entrepreneur one advice that will give my past self um, I would say take it easy it's it's okay to 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 chill and, and when you when you do chill, be present, smell the, the, smell the flowers, um, and, and, and breathe. That's basically it. I think we, we get, we often get caught up in, uh, this cycle of being dissatisfied or even just slightly dissatisfied by the state of this quo, either of how things are in the right. world or how things are with your life. And then pursue something to, to solve that. And then when you solve that or you reach a certain milestone, you realize that, hold on, there's something else that I'm dissatisfied about and yep. something else that I'm just not happy about. And then you pursue that even further. And that's honestly what progress looks like. That's what evolution looks like. But then we kind of miss the whole point of um, being able to enjoy that process and be able to to experience the, the 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 pains and the pleasures that come with it. It's it's very easy to get caught up with. Oh, should I, I lost a client today? Or uh, I, I hit my first six figure month today. My first uh, 
seven figure a month today. And then you got to think, then you start thinking about, oh, now I got to think about an eight figure a month or a seven figure a month and the next level, next level. It never stopped to kind of think about what you have done so far and like, what are you doing today and what you're currently experiencing, whether it be pleasure or pain and being thankful for that. So, yeah, like, like that's a long-ass response, but that's what it is. Actually, with regards to that um, response or advice that you gave, I, I do have one last final, final question. <laughs> what is one sacrifice that you made to chase your this dream or to do what you're doing at Kronos? Oh, that's a good one. So, uh, there is kind of... So, I, I learned this from my, from my mentor at the... Uh, at NOC, the, the there's a there's kind of in, in life there are four stoves, right? There are four stoves, like gas stoves, uh, right. and limited gas, and you can't turn on all four stoves on high all the time. Um, and there are yep. seasonalities where you leave one stone, what one stove on low or completely off, and you focus on the others. And those are, uh, I believe those family, friends, health, and self. I believe that's the four. <laughs> Something along those lines. Right. Um, oh, no, sorry. And, and work. Family, friends, health, and work. So work was always on high since the day we, we, we started. Um, right. Health was kind of up and down all the time, competing with family, and friends, it is where it was completely compromised to the point where I was uh, kind of right. super selective of what I did with my time when it comes to friends. Uh, I kept a really tight circle of like people that I that I communicate on a daily basis or like even weekly basis. And I, I just didn't participate in a lot of activities and parties and just conversations in general that weren't uh, in, in relation to either work or what I wanted to achieve for a long time. Did you regret? No, no, no regrets at all. I went into it knowing exactly what I was getting myself into. And I right. made that really conscious decision to turn that stove on low and maybe in the future I can kind of bring it up a little bit i mean that doesn't mean that i i don't have friends at all uh, uh you know as it, part of uh work and that's what i i love about what i do is that i, I make friends uh, I, lo- I make a lot of really genuine good friends along the way that are either you know clients that turn into friends or partners that turn into friends or just people in the space that are you know aligned in, in values right. and what we believe in right that honestly i think that gave me a lot to to think about because um, it's not very often that um, I meet someone that share so deeply on like the personal side. So I'd like to thank you for actually taking the time to talk to me today. And if let's say for people that want to reach out to you, where can they find you actually? Oh, you can reach me through uh, probably Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, it's Joshua right. Chin. 
Uh, you can probably just search Joshua Chin, Joshua Chin Kronos at C-H-R-O-N-O-S. I think you might be able to find, uh, might be able to find me. Let me just try that out right now. Yeah, you you probably be able to find me on on a, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Cool. Thank you so much, Joshua, for taking the time to talk to me today, man. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you. We've come to the end of the podcast. If you like what you hear and want to follow us, you can do so on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you on the next episode. Take care.